It's not the big romantic gestures. You're not going to have a white knight ride in and save you. You know, it's not going to happen by chance. You have to go out and actually take action in your dating life and improve yourself. And when you realize that, it's like taking the red pill. You see the matrix for the first time. And for me, I got addicted to it. Welcome back to another episode of Raw Dating Advice. Which one is this? Do you remember? Do you know? uh, I think we're on, what, the third? Mm, is it? Yeah, I think it's going to be the third one. I believe it's the fourth one. The fourth third one. one was the one that these guys saw, what was oh. it, on Friday. Was it the Succubus? Tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, Succubus. Yeah. We're filming this a little bit ahead of time. Trade secrets right now. Yeah, that's why I was confused. I was like, wait, yeah, did the This succubus? will be the fourth one. Um, but we wanted to make this one to really respond to a comment about a guy who was excited about the new direction that raw dating advice has going, been going in. This is actually a guy who, uh, our team has gotten to know a little bit more about as, uh, as he's been also in the legendary game, Facebook group, uh, taking action in there like a badass. He's also attending our, uh, our boot camp coming up in September. So let me read this comment for you guys. While I'm bringing this up, Chris, did you have anything to add? No, I just wanted to say in regards to the top action taker, Eric. Shout out to Eric. Um, I, I've seen him like he's the first one since I've been here. I've seen him just take nonstop action. Mm. And I'm excited, honestly, to just meet him in person. It's going to be cool just meeting him along with all the other guys out in the boot camp. Yeah, uh, I can't wait. So this is because Chris actually joined the team after our last boot camp. So he's a new the newest addition. And uh, and so he didn't get to experience the last boot camp, but he's experiencing a lot of the things leading up to this upcoming one. And so, Chris, what are you most excited about um, coming in the coming months working with Broad Dating Advice? I uh, just this whole new direction uh, of the YouTube. Honestly, that's mm -hmm. one of the more bigger things. Yesterday, I was looking through the channel and it just still feels surreal. And I'm grateful to be in this position to where like you, you have an audience already in front of you and you get to like inspire men. And and for me, like. It this is crazy for me, you know, it, it still takes me like mornings where I wake up and I'm just like, damn, I'm really doing this. Yeah. So I got Eric's comment. Here's what he said. He said, by the way, when we were talking on the phone, it'd be amazing to see a documentary about your journey, Patrick, on becoming a legendary Lothario. I mean it. I want to see how you changed your mind and evolved from then to now. Chris had a great point on getting to more, know more who you are. Can't wait to attend the boot camp, by the way, Patrick. Nice haircut. You're always looking sharp no matter what. Truth. Facts. Our barbershops open in AZ. I believe they just opened. Yeah, they just opened. Yes. So that was that was his comment. So Chris is literally going to be here to pull the story out of me um, because I've told bits and pieces of how I went from the 21-year-old virgin to the man I am now, but I haven't really fully elaborated on the full thing. I don't believe unless you were at the boot camp, that was like the only place. Um, and even just, it's an interesting story about how, how I became a dating coach because every time I tell this story and if I go on to even like the business, like the, the business journey I'm on, um, at, on top of the game, because at first it was improving the game and then it became 
how do I become a dating coach that actually has people who know about who I am? And that was a whole other journey I had to go on. But looking back on it, in retrospect, it's like everything almost seems like it happened for a reason. And honestly, uh, it came to a climax for me, at least at the last boot camp, which is ironic that we were talking about this. So I'm I'm excited to tell this fucking story. And hopefully Chris can uh, pull out the relevant details that a lot of you guys have been curious about. By the way, um, I, our views have been consistent. So there's a win, brother. That's true. That's true. Consistent. Do we have a fake applause on the on the roadcaster, bro? Let's see. Uh, yeah. Hit the right one. <laughs> we got that fake applause. Views have been consistent, consistently going up. If you guys remember from the last episode, I said our views have been down a little bit, but it's because we spent so much time building up the business of raw dating advice, at least dive deep, diving deep into focusing on that for like the last six to nine months. And so now we are back on YouTube and the views are obviously going to be down because we stopped posting for those months. But, um, now that we're posting more often, we're getting, we're gaining momentum and I'm counting it as a motherfucking win because those little victories build up the momentum. Yeah. Speaking of wins, I remember you talking about the last episode when you got your first win. So without further ado, Let's get into your story. I, I'm ready to get into okay, it, man. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so, so ask me the first question. Where do we want to start? All right, like where were you, like what, what even got you like wanting to search for dating advice, improving that area of your life? Yeah, man. So this is interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, I believe it's interesting because I'm a little bit biased, but uh, a lot of guys have heard me talk about how I, my heart got crushed by two girls in a row. But basically, the way it worked was um, I was a 21-year-old virgin, and at the time, uh, I was working at a pool. And so I remember at school, I had lost my virginity, and then the following summer, I was a lifeguard. And one of the girls there um, who was a couple of years younger than me, so I'm like 21, she's maybe 18, 19, and uh, I realized that she had a crush on me. And so by the time I realized that she had a crush on me, I started talking to her, and we were texting every day. And we would text. I would text her, and she went to a different school than me too, so it was like we were just texting and talking on the phone every day, every night. And, uh, I kind of became attached to her in a way where I was building up in my head, uh, the mental movies of where this could go. And like the, us riding off into the distance, living, living happily ever after, but she was never my official girlfriend. And honestly, I didn't even kiss her until about six months in, you know, of us just talking and going on dates and realizing that she liked me, but, uh, we would hold hands, but uh, dude, I was so innocent almost at the time to where even holding hands was a big step for me. And so, um, uh, with her, uh, she started kind of getting a little bit cold on me a little bit, stopped responding with enthusiasm, uh, or just stopped responding at all. And so the, with her, I could feel that she was pulling away. Um, and so as soon as I felt like I was losing her, uh, naturally I would fall back on what I thought would work in the movies, which is you got to do this big romantic gesture. And so that's why so often I'm talking about, you know, the big romantic gestures don't work. And it's because I've not only experienced it because, you know, fast forward, this didn't fucking work out, but I've seen it happen time and time again with so many guys. And honestly, I know that a lot of guys watching this, um, a huge percentage of them have experienced that because it's so common because Hollywood is so um, good at just hardwiring us to have certain beliefs about the way romance works and about how courting a woman works. When in reality, that's a Disney fantasy. It's not real life. And so uh, with her, uh, long story short, I ended up writing her a love letter by hand 
because I think I had offended her when I felt her pulling away and she started ghosting me and I, I'd sent like a subtweet. Do you know the word subtweet, the term? Is it where you like uh, comment on your own tweet? You you tweet and you're talking about someone and you're fr- you're venting your frustrations with them, mm. but you're not adding them. That's where the term at me, bro, came from. Ah, yeah. At me next time, motherfucker. And so uh, and so I sent a subtweet. Um, I, I believe I kind of was angrily talking about how she gained the freshman 15 pounds during her uh, freshman year of college. And uh, but that was just me kind of realizing that I had no chance with her anymore. And I was just trying to. I was emotionally taking shots at her. And I, I remember that's when altogether she pulled away and I felt so bad the next day. Cause I was like drunk when I subtweeted her. Um, cause she was ghosting me. And, um, uh, I wrote a handwritten love letter slash apology letter and I delivered it to her house by hand and, uh, just left it there. And I, I told this a few episodes, but she never responded to that. So anyways, um, uh, there was one girl who had the same name as her that worked at the same pool we were at and they were arch enemies. And it was kind of because I think they had the same name. That's the only reason I think they were arch enemies. Um, and so this girl saw that I had subtweeted her and realized shit was going down. And I think just to spite her, she texted me was like, Hey, what's up? What's going on? Just kind of open the lines of communication with me and her. And ironically, she had the same fucking name. Right. And, um, and so just despite that girl, uh, I started hanging out with this girl. And I, ironically, it was almost this very similar kind of trajectory. Same timeline of events, everything. And we hung out. I actually did make out with this girl a few times, but I never like banged her or anything like that. Um, and that was a big step for me too. But also I started to catch myself catching feelings for her. And mm. so with her, rather than doing a handwritten love letter, I actually went over to her house. I was like, I texted her. I was like, Hey, can we talk? First off, don't ever fucking send that text. Nobody likes receiving a text said, saying, Hey, can we talk? And, and honestly, when I felt her pulling away, I took that as a sign that, Hey, I need to break this off and pull away even harder first, because I can sense that this might go down the same road. It went with the last girl, which I was still kind of hurt about you know and so i mean this is only like six months to a year later and so um uh with this girl i went over to her house and i had every intention to just tell her we can't hang out anymore uh like i i just don't want to do this anymore right Mm -hmm. but then when i saw her looking at me in the eyes all plans went out the window and i just said i like you a lot like I guess that's all I wanted to talk about. (laughs) And that was just like a super awkward conversation. And after that, she ghosted even harder. And and so um, for me, I was at an all time low and I was starting to really doubt myself as like a person who could get a girlfriend in the first place. Um, Even though by this point I had lost my virginity, which was almost like a fluke anyways. um, It didn't take that me getting into game and learning dating advice to answer your question um, wouldn't have happened had I not reached that all-time low. And for me, it's like by this point, even my friends don't want to hang out with me, including this girl, because we all kind of ran in the same circle of friends and I was the one who was being the needy, crazy person. It wasn't the girl. I was pushing them away because I had the wrong strategy for attracting them. Did they ever like tell you or confront you about that personally? No, they just stopped talking to me. It all kind of came to a a breaking point when I was kind of like the, 
I would almost say I was like the person who almost led the social circle in a way where I had all the parties and get togethers at my place, mm-hmm. even though I never had like girls, but I was still like friends with most of these people. Right. Um, and so at my place, after I confessed my feelings to her and she was ghosting me, um, through the grapevine, uh, someone was like, Hey, we should like, she planted the seed and she wanted to hang out. Cause I was, the, there was no parties anymore if nobody was coming over to my place. And so she and a few other people decided, well, we should at least still hang out with Patrick because we still want to party at his place. And so, um, they, I let them come over. We grilled out some food and then it reached a breaking point where I'm pretty sure her ex-boyfriend who was also at the party who, um, but they had dated so long ago to where it didn't even phase me. Um, I'm pretty sure they hooked up in my bed or at least we're like making out my bed and stuff. And so I always talk about how the second girl like hooked up with her ex in my, in my bed at my party. That was exactly how it happened. So I literally, me and my other best friend who I've talked about him before where um, he was the guy who got all the girls. Um, honestly, nobody in that group liked him because he was so polarizing. You either love him or hate him. These This certain group of people happened to hate him. And so I was just like, hey, you guys got to leave. I'm about to go to a, a bar or a club in Kansas city with, with Bobby or whatever. And they got mad that I kind of ended the party early and kicked him out. And they, that was to answer your question. If anybody confronted me, I think it reached a breaking point because over text people started confronting me that night, like about, you know, I guess just how I've been kind of crazy, like obsessed with this girl and like trying to win her over when she clearly doesn't like me back. So that was like an emotional high for like almost everyone. It was just like that, all that yeah, there was a up. lot of tension in the social circle because I was the guy who had the fucking parties and everybody still wanted to have the parties and be friends with Patrick, but Patrick was being needy with these girls or with the girl, the one mm. girl, right? And so um, I didn't, I at the time, but it was just me trying to do the big romantic gesture that I thought worked. So honestly, when I, when I kind of lost my social circle, I knew I was about to move to Arizona in a couple of years anyways for dental school. So I was just like, fuck it. Let me just kind of go out and take massive action on my dating life. And so I don't know how, but uh, I got hit with a Facebook ad on Facebook talking about like, do you make these friend zone mistakes or whatever? And it was, it was for Bobby Rio's product. And this is like 2013, 2014. It was a long ass fucking time ago. And, um, and I clicked on it and I was like, oh shit, I do make all those mistakes. And then I ended, ended up buying their program. And ironically, you know, this story did come full circle because he became one of my biggest affiliates for the book, 107 Proven Ways to Get the Girl. Um, and, and so I'm still friends with that guy to, the, to this day. But I wouldn't necessarily the, say the program itself changed my life, but it gave me the spark I needed to realize, oh, there is another way of doing this. And did you find that program like instantly after this all kind of like happened and you were in your low point or was there a, there a period of time like of months that you were in the low point? I think what had happened was around this time I had started doing Google, Google searches about how to get a girl to like you back and stuff, how to get your ex back. And that's where I got hit with that Facebook ad from obviously they're running Facebook ads for their program. Right. And so, um, I think that's how they found me, if you will. Uh, And so honestly, me taking that leap and investing in myself and just trusting that maybe there is another way and maybe I can do this. um, Again, I don't necessarily remember. I don't think it was necessarily the program itself that changed my entire fucking dating life. It was just realizing that there was a different way to do this. 
So it just like opened your eyes, essentially. It opened my eyes because shortly after that is when I started taking massive action on my uh, approaching. So around this time, I had no social circle other than one or two friends. And then anybody who like was uh, lived in this town that I went to high school with or I partied with uh, a while ago, I would just be like, hey, do you want to hit up this fucking bar tonight with me and go talk to women or something like that. And so I'd get these people who I was like acquaintances with or kind of friends with, and I'd be going out with them and we'd get one or two drinks, have some light conversation. And then when the party started picking up, especially on the weekends, I would just start approaching women and almost ditch that person by the end of the night. And so for me, it became, it was, I didn't let the lack of social circle and the all time low stop me from taking action. Cause I realized, Oh, I can actually go out and approach women. And I think for me, what it was is like, I didn't realize you could approach women. I talked about this a couple episodes ago. I think it was episode one. Um, but it's like, I didn't even know approaching was a thing. For me, though, my strategy was relying on my social circle, you know, and I didn't even realize I was doing social circle game, but I just wasn't doing it effectively. Just like anybody, how do you normally meet women? You meet them through your coworkers, through your friends, friends of friends, mutual friends. It's rare that you meet someone that you have nothing in common with at all, unless you approach them, right? Or you swipe right on Tinder. And so uh, that's honestly how most guys rely on meeting women is they hope their social circle fucking comes and introduces them and throws them an alley-oop, or they they hope to rely on these paid platforms that are really trying to retain you as a life, like a have a longer lifetime on the app, you know? And so they don't have an incentive to get you a lot of hookups really quick. Cause they think, oh, if you, uh, if they think if you, how do I want, they think they don't have an incentive to, uh, to necessarily give you a girlfriend really quick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that, that leads to me to the question was just kind of like, what was your intention when, when you were going, uh, trying to get these girls, were you trying to make them like your girlfriend, this lovey dovey stuff? And did that change yeah, like after the, they broke at, your at heart? The beginning, bro. Yeah. And I think this is what. I, I realized with any guy who almost hasn't been had their eyes open to the 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 matrix, if you will, right? They're still this is this is why that term called the red pill is like the underground seduction community. Because it's like when you learn that you can actually have a strategy to approaching women and attracting them, even if you have nothing in common and regardless of how you look, if you can walk up to a girl and say hi, um, then you have a chance. Um, that's you realize that, oh, life is not the way I thought it was. It's not the big romantic gestures. You're not going to have a white knight ride in and save you. You know, it's not going to happen by chance. You have to go out and actually take action in your dating life and improve yourself. And when you realize that, it's like taking the red pill. You see the matrix for the first time. And for me, I got addicted to it, right? For Because I, I started, a, so that honestly was kind of how I started my journey in approaching a lot of women. And so for a full year before I moved to Arizona um, for dental school, I was going out five, six times a week. Cause I didn't have a job. I was out of school. I didn't have any debt. Um, I have a lot of debt now from dental school that I didn't never got the degree from, but, uh, that's another story. Um, but I didn't have any debt at this point in my life. So whatever was in my savings, I was taking that and spending it at the clubs just to get drinks. So I would go out and approach women. So that was your hundred percent just focus Full and focus. attention. Yeah. Work out during the day. Um, I was also a substitute teacher at a high school. So that's another story. Um, and then, uh, and then at night I just go out, man. I mean, and then like when you before, cause what something interesting I find about you is that you have like this, this almost like very competitive chip on your shoulder type mm. of personality. And so do you feel like, 
<clears throat> that's what it made it easy for you to kind of transition and put that energy towards getting women. So, I mean, that's a good topic to hit on because it's almost like, where does that chip on the shoulder mentality come yeah. from? You know, yeah. um, for me, I've had a chip on my shoulder since I was at least in middle school, always just trying to prove myself. Um, and I think honestly, it started because when I was in middle school, I was super, super fat, like really fat. When I was in eighth grade, um, I was the biggest I'd ever been, even to this day. Um, I was the same height because I had all my growth spurts young. And so in going into high school, I was like 6'1", and I grew to like 6'3", and now I'm 6'3", right? And so I was like 6'1", in eighth grade, and I was 250 pounds of just pure fat. I went to the gym because my parents signed me up for a gym membership um, at a local gym, and they measured my body fat, fat and I was 49% body fat. Literally half of me was lard, bro. What were you putting in your body? Soda, potato chips, junk food, fast food, you name it. I would get the bag of fucking a pillowcase full of candy during Halloween and I would just sit there and snack on it all day. My parents didn't give a fuck. They never, they, I think they made attempts at trying to like feed me healthier options, but they never stopped me from eating the junk food. They would just give me healthy food on top of the junk food. Uh. And so there was no self-control. Um, but the moment it happened was my whole, like, I've always been tall. So I've always been into basketball. My, my childhood bedroom was decked out with Michael Jordan and Chicago bulls. Um, even, I even have those Michael Jordan posters here now. Uh, we got it for the studio. So maybe I'll show you guys, um, that on another day what those Michael Jordan posters are. But anyways, uh, I've always loved basketball. And so my dad looked at me in the eye driving me to basketball practice when I was in middle school, realizing I was getting pretty fucking fat. And he said to me, son, you're not going to play in the NBA if you're 300 pounds. And I was not far off from 300 pounds, especially as a fucking preteen. And so the only difference I made eighth grade, when I realized I need to lose some fucking weight, when I was 49% body fat, I, uh, I just stopped drinking soda. And anytime my parents took me to McDonald's, which was a daily occurrence, it seemed like, they would, I would not get the burger and fries. I would just get the fries. And so I was a, a middle schooler trying to figure out how to lose weight by just cutting out a lot of the junk food. And so no soda to this day, I haven't been a soda drinker. I drink water, um, and crystal light. And so that's why, uh, so I, my freshman year, I I'd shut off the pounds quickly because I was already playing basketball every day. So from eighth grade at the end of the year, I was 250. And then by the beginning of my freshman year, I was 170 and nobody even recognized me, bro. Damn. So you just came in into school and <laughs> you were just basically the yeah. new kid. The pounds just shed off and it wasn't because I made any drastic changes. I just, I just cut out the soda and the junk food. I still ate, but I was playing basketball every day and it just melted off of me. And at that time, were you like trying to talk to girls or? No, I was in middle school, but um, that was where the chip on the shoulder started was when I realized, uh, oh, nobody, everybody thinks I'm the fat guy. I got to prove these people wrong. And then it became, oh, I got to make the basketball team. And honestly, uh, my my basketball in, in high school, I rode the bench most of high school. Um, even especially my senior year, and this has been my dream, right? And so every day I'm working my ass off in practice to get some playing time, but it felt like no matter what I did, it was never me who made the good play. It was the other person who made a bad play. And that was just my relationship with my high school coach. And so for like, he, he was new my junior year. Um, and so 
great coach, but I just never got along with him because we never saw eye to eye. And it was all be, always because I don't, I just don't think he believed in me. And so I was out every day to prove him that he has to believe in me because I'm, I'm that fucking dude, you know? And so the fucking losing the weight, the fucking basketball. And then in, in college, it came again, bro. Um, I was a little bit skinny fat and in high school, uh, P90X, the workout program came out and I asked my dad, bro, I want to get funk, some fucking abs. Can you buy me P90X? Cause I'll do this every day. I promise you. And he goes, eh, I don't know. You, you're busy. You got school. You're not going to do it every day. And so he never bought me the program and I begged him and I begged him. And then in college, uh, he bought the program for himself. <laughs> and I was like, yo, what the fuck? Can I borrow it so I can do it? He goes, no, I'm, I'm going to be doing it here every day and uh, starting soon. And so then I would go to visit him because now I was in college and I noticed this motherfucker is skipping days and he's not doing it every day. He took a week or two off and I'm like, hey, if you're not going to do it, can I borrow P90X? Because that I've always wanted to do it. And so then he always said, no, no, no. This is the motherfucker skipping time, not me. And so I saved up 90 bucks, which for me was a lot of money at the time. And, uh, cause I didn't, I didn't, I, I worked as a lifeguard pool at, at the pool, you know, making minimum wage. And so I saved up 90 bucks, bought the program myself. And for three years straight, I didn't miss a fucking day of P90X just to spite my dad for not letting me do it three years earlier, you know? And so, uh, I didn't miss the, the, the nutrition at all. I was on top of that. Didn't miss a day uh, of the P90X and I was the most ripped I'd ever been in college. And so at this point now I'm like, okay, I'm finally starting to prove myself. And it's, it's like a subconscious again, chip on your shoulder. And I'm trying to get into medical school. And this kind of plays into my story about becoming a dating coach. Cause I'm like, yo, uh, if I'm going to college, like everybody's telling me I have to do because we're all sold this fucking idea that you have to go to school, get a good job, um, get a steady job, get a paycheck, get a hot wife, and then retire at the age of 65, you know, and then finally pay off all your debts and whatnot. Like, and so I was in college, fully bought into this plan. And in my head, I had the plan. I want to get married by 28. I want to have kids before I'm 30. Cause I want to be a, a somewhat young dad. And, uh, I got to get a high paying job. Right. And so for me, I was like, well, if I got to go to school and get a degree, what's the best way I can get a high paying job out of college? Oh, I go to medical school and become a doctor. So I said, all right, let's fucking make it happen. So my sophomore year, I go in and I say, hey, I want to change my my degree uh, to biology and I want to go to medical school. The counselor looked at me and said, you should probably consider something else. I said, why? She goes, because you've had like a basically a 3.0 GPA for the first year and a half of college. And honestly, that's not going to cut it to get into to medical school. And so I said, bitch, you don't know me. <laughs> you don't fucking know me. When you tell me I can't do something, it's going to make me want to do it more. And, and I'm, it's also going to fire up that chip on my shoulder. It's going to make me fucking make it happen. And so more of the story is from that day forward, uh, I never got anything other than a 4.0 GPA because I had to just fucking prove that I was able to able to do this. And so I, I raised my GPA to 3.5 overall. Um, and now I was com somewhat competitive for medical school. And I took the MCAT, which is the entrance exam for medical school. And I scored average, but then I took the DAT just for the hell of it. Um, cause why not? And that's the dental school exam. Um, and by the way, dental school is just as competitive to get in as medical school. Um, because it's, there's a lot of trade-offs, but they make a similar amount of money depending. Right. Um, and so I took the DAT. So I got average on the MCAT and then I took the DAT and I was in the top 98th percentile. And I was like, yo, 
<laughs> why don't I just fucking get into whatever dental school I want? And so I, that was kind of the moment where I was like, all right, no more medicine, but now I can use this good GPA and the good test scores and get into dental school. And so I moved to Arizona because I got, got into dental school here. But by this point, because I kind of changed late um, in my in my college career, I had to take that year off. And so that was the year I really took a lot of action on my dating dating life. You know. Oh, so that's the year that you had time to actually put yeah. into your dating life and yeah. just full on focus. So yep. by the time you came to Arizona, your game was already on, like you would say, like was already better than where it was a year before. hundred percent, hundred percent. By the time I came to Arizona, it was, it was a, it was a habit for me to go out to the clubs every night, drink one or two drinks to feel a slight buzz and just kind of get in the mood and then, uh, approach every girl I could. So it, it was, it was not necessarily like your, what was your main goal out of it? Just like. Talk as many girls or like, so this is around the time where I started getting into, into personal development. Um, when I moved to Arizona, so I was taking a lot of action in my dating life, but then I realized, oh, I can improve other areas of my life too. So I started getting into just general personal development. And, uh, when I moved to, to Arizona, I started kind of coming up with my life vision. You know, you have to write down your vision, come up with a vision. I talk about always be on your purpose, be on your path. And so I was trying to figure out what was my purpose? What was my path? And so in, in that time of doing these journaling exercises, trying to figure out my purpose, trying to figure out my path, I, I had come to the conclusion that I wanted to be a celebrity dentist and I wanted to have celebrity clients and I wanted to be the best dentist in the fucking world, right? I knew by this point, no matter what I did, I wanted to be the best at. And so that was like my goal, be the fucking bachelor, but also the celebrity dentist. But for me, again, remember, it wasn't because I was passionate about dentistry. It was, I was trying to figure out how to set myself up for success along this life plan that I've been sold in Hollywood and Disney movies. Ah, so it was for you, it was like just a matter of reaching that success, right? Like and then I just wanted security. the status of having good game with girls at the same time. And so it was more of a personal vendetta at that point because I was trying, again, it was like the chip on the shoulder. I still had something to prove. I felt like I was the underdog, you know, especially because I was never the guy who got any girls. And now I'm starting to get more girls than most of the people I know. And so that was a big change. And even for my own friends, they, a lot of, even like my friends who, uh, still were my friends after the all time low, right. They started kind of pushing me away because now I'm growing and I'm evolving and I'm changing my identity. I'm reinventing myself. And it really just subconsciously made them feel insecure to where they're like, bro, stop, stop doing that. Why are you, why are you trying so hard? Stop. Right. And they call it the crab in the bucket mentality, because if you put crabs in a bucket, you don't even need to have a lid on top of the bucket because if one crab tries to escape, all the other crabs reach up and pull them back down. And that's exactly what happens in people's dating life, especially when they start improving themselves, improving their game and trying to make more money, trying to become financially independent. Anytime you pursue something that most people are too afraid to pursue, most mediocre people, then they become a crab in a bucket and they instantly try to shoot you down or make you feel insecure or make you feel like you doubt you, the, the actions you've been taking. And it's normal, right? You can't hate them for it, but you got to understand that it's part of, it's a part of the game, you know? And so, um, that was even happening. But by the time I moved here, yeah, my motivation was not, Oh, to become necessarily the best. So I could become a dating coach at this point. I hadn't even considered that. The only time I considered that was when I was already kind of in the world of the seduction community and, and really just like improving myself, taking a lot of action, I had 
seen another guy who had a dating advice brand at the time. He's no longer around anymore, but I remember he sold 200 spots to with a $1,000 program in one month. And this guy was my age. And so I did the math. I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get into dental school. I'm about to go to dental school. And this guy just sold 200 K worth of business for himself online in a month. And so that, that seed had been planted early but I never, still, my path was just to go to dental school. You and know? going back a little bit back on topic with the crabs, did do you feel like the environment helped you and pushed you like further? Or do you feel like having the crabs around you, in a sense, were just kind of like motivation for you mm. to kind of step up your game? I think my skin got really, I got a thick epidermis, as they would say. I read that in the, in the book, um, Psycho-Cybernetics, he talks about developing a thick ep epidermis, which is thick skin. I got thick skin because of the basketball experience in my life. I got thick skin because I felt like nobody believed in me as a basketball player, and every day I was out to prove myself, and um, especially prove myself to the coach. And I felt like that was a lot, along with you know the, the weight loss and the things like that, um, and the P90X and the fucking school. I've just had a lot of moments starting from middle school all the way through college especially coming to the climax of the girls and the all-time low, like it all kind of led up to that moment. And um, I think that's kind of where my my mentality of like, oh, if nobody else believes in me, I'm just going to make it fucking happen by sheer force of will. So I'm going to put my head down and fucking grind. And that's always kind of just been how I've been because of, I guess, the experiences I had growing up, you know? Yeah. So, so essentially that thick skin helped you out a lot when you were yeah so like for me even if i didn't have people around me that supported my path supported the actions i was taking even saw the logic in what i was doing i just felt like i'm done explaining myself to people i'm done qualifying myself to people i'm done being the nice guy i'm gonna make this fucking happen because i remember we would go i went to the, the one of the first weddings i ever attended um it was a buddy of mine uh, a friend of a friend who was getting married and it was like a giant party. Everybody was getting drunk. I was already 21 by this point. And I remember I started dancing. I was drunk and I had that liquid courage, even though I had zero game at this point. And I started dancing with one girl who in my head, I was so drunk that they all looked the same, but she happened to be like the hottest girl on the dance floor at this wedding reception. And then all my buddies and I knew everybody there and they were all kind of just like, joking like oh look at patrick he's over there dancing with the hot girl and then one guy would come to my defense he'd be like guys trust me i've met guys like patrick i grew up because he, he's like the older guy i grew up with guys like patrick he's gonna be the guy who comes in in 10 years and has like a hotter wife than all of us and i at the time i took it as a compliment because i had zero game and but subconsciously and i remember going to bed that night kind of thinking about it i was like I don't know if I want to be known as the guy who got the girl by fluke, you know, that that like everybody was surprised that he got the girl. I'd rather be the guy who just has a good dating life and has good results and is known for that. Right. And I didn't want to feel like the underdog who had to prove myself anymore, you know. And so that was also probably a lot of the motivation out there. Um, but honestly, when I got into it, because it was like a whole new way of doing things. When I first learned you could disqualify a girl and it doesn't offend her, it actually makes her more attracted to you. Um, I got addicted to it because I was like, oh shit, I just talk shit to this girl and she likes me, <laughs> right? That's the fucking, that's the trick. And so 
obviously it's not going to work out perfectly every time because you got to learn how to like have a playful tonality and things like that and have the balance between oh i'm not a fully dick i'm just kind of being a, a cocky asshole in the moment um yeah you you learn how to fine tune it but when i realized that it's like every time you got a good response it was like a hit of dopamine it's like getting a notification on facebook it like makes you feel good you got to check your notifications you get addicted to it and so for me having taken massive action for a full year just almost out of inspiration and desperation tony robbins says the only times that anybody changes is through inspiration or desperation or both and for me it was both um especially in my dating life um because of that I started to get addicted to the good responses. And so uh, this actually was a big thing that took me probably years to overcome. We're actually interviewing a guy um, named Bridger tonight who's going to be on the Ron Relentless podcast, by the way. So if you aren't subscribed to Ron Relentless, or our second channel that we just started, go below and subscribe so you don't miss these first episodes. But Bridger's on his way over here in a second. And I was telling him yesterday uh, when we went to lunch that uh, uh, this is like a big sticking point for me as I became more advanced in the game was like, how do you turn off your addiction to just approaching new women and actually develop a deeper relationship with one or two or three women. Right. And so for me, I realized that through just being addicted to good responses from women, I, I would almost prefer to just talk shit to women all night and get laughter out of them because it felt so good. But then I realized, wait, I'm not actually going home with any of them. Right. And so it's like, your attraction, 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 but you keep pressing the attraction button and you don't realize, oh shit, even though I'm attracting them, how do I actually take these girls home? But because you're so ha so in the moment having fun doing that, you almost forget that there's more to the game. And then, so that's an, a sticking point that a lot of guys experience. And so I talk to a lot of guys when I talk about training, I know from experience, because I experienced it, that there's probably a lot of guys out there who struggle with... Um, knowing how to attract women, know how to, knowing how to create the conversational tension, but then after a few minutes of high-charged banter and laughter, quickly fizzles out and she kind of darts off into the night. You never see her again. Why is that? It's because you didn't transition from attraction to connection, right? And so I know that's a sticking point because I experienced it myself. But one of the ones that was a more advanced sticking point was how do I go deeper with these girls and and just kind of put aside my my fun for going out and approaching women because after it becomes when it's hard at first when you don't know what you're doing after you kind of start to figure out what you're doing it becomes fun and so it's almost like why would i sacrifice this fun to just stop doing that and go deeper with one girl and so that's why again i know that people go through phases because i've experienced oh it's just phases that you're going through in life and as you change as you grow as you evolve you're going to enter a different phase that doesn't mean you can't go back into the the pickup phase of your life, but there's going to be phases where when you want to start improving your life financially, you want to build up a business, you want to improve your family life, you want to, you want to do whatever it is. And so you got to stop dedicating so much time to approaching new women and actually develop deeper relationships with one or two women. That way you can focus on other areas of your life. Uh, so that, that overall just kind of like approach mentality that you had, it was like, it, it was fine because you had the time at the moment. Uh, so like at, at what point did that change? Like when you went wanted to go deeper, is that yeah. the time when you wanted to become a coach or it all changed when in my first year of dental school, <clears throat> the guy who planted that seed where this he's my age and he made in one month what I'm going to make in one year as a as a dentist um, doing and he was a dating coach at the time. 
he sent out an email to his email list, which I was on now, uh, which was, uh, um, Hey, if you've ever been curious about how I run a business or how I make money online or how I became a millionaire at the age that I am, um, I'm actually teaching exactly kind of what I do in my business, um, in Las Vegas, uh, in a private workshop, only 40 people are going to be able to fit in the room. So if you want to be one of those 40 guys who comes and kind of just learns how I make money online, um, I'll be teaching in Las Vegas. So hit me up. And so I actually went to that. And so at the time I was in dental school, it was like, I had just moved to Arizona and this is the first time I had lived anywhere that wasn't Kansas. And so I'd never even been to Las Vegas. And so I was like, all right, cool. I can get off those days from school and then I can just go, uh, to Las Vegas. I'll pay student loan money to go. And I did that. It was like 1200 bucks to attend this, this seminar or whatever for 40 guys. And I paid student loan money and I fucking drove to Las Vegas and went. And when I met him, uh, really quickly, we kind of hit it off from a personality level because he ended up being uh, a long-term mentor of mine in a way mm -hmm. to where he was actually the one who encouraged me to drop out of dental school and become a dating coach to make that move to make that move eventually. Um, but just meeting him and realizing, Oh shit, there's another way to make money and I don't have to be a dentist to do it. So it seems like you've had a many of like the red pill, like kind of experiences throughout your life and they yeah. just kind of like helped you shape and open up your view of things. Right. 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 Because like, again, I was sold the fucking dream, the American dream that everybody still believes to this day. And I'm not saying it's, it's not the dream. It's not the dream that people should have, but not everybody's cut out for that dream. I think just m my chip on the shoulder, my, my fucking drive to always be the best at everything. I the do, way you're wired almost the way I'm wired. I can't just settle because the number one feeling I got when I got to dental school, even before I went to the seminar, um, cause I, the school starts in like August and I went to the seminar in September. Okay. And so it was a couple, one or two months, right? August, one month, bro. <laughs> um, uh, I realized in that first month of dental school that all these people are here and they work just as hard to get here as I did. And it feels like we've reached our destination. It felt like, guys, we can breathe. We're in, we're finally in, we finally did it. We, all we have to do is just not drop out or not get bad grades, like get at least a C and your C's set. and D's get degrees and you're a dentist and you're making dentist money. And I knew that was the mentality of everybody there. Cause I could sense it. But the difference between me and them was on a Friday night when we are hanging out with our buddies, when you're hanging out with your classmates, what the fuck are you talking about? And I realized everybody's talking about their future practices, the, the exam coming up, the dentistry they want to do. And I'm talking about, let's go to Old Town Scottsdale and pick up chicks. Hey, do you want to go out to a bar tonight so we can talk to girls? And I'm talking, I'm giving people advice on their dating life. And so I realized very quickly, I just wasn't wired like everybody else who was at the dental school was. And this is actually one of the bigger schools in the nation. So there's 150 people in my class, which made it feel like high school all over again. And so I knew everybody in that dental school class and there was obviously clicks and stuff, but I realized I was the only motherfucker in that class who was wired the way I'm wired, you know? And I, I felt like everybody felt like they reached their destination. So now was the time to settle. I reached my destination and I was like, this is it. What's what do next? I work? What do I work towards now? What, what do I do now? And so I, I just realized I didn't want to settle. And so when I realized, oh, there's another way, I think because of the challenge of pivoting, 
it became a more alluring option to me because it was a new challenge, a new a new level to aspire to um, just with this life plan that I thought I had been sold to me, right? And so um, that way was building a business online. And here's the thing, dentists can still do this. I know many dentists who have dropped out of dentistry and no longer do dentistry because now they teach other dentists how to run a dental practice, but they do it online because they realize it's more profitable to have their business online. And so you can't work on someone's mouth over online, but you can have other people working on mouths and teach other, those people how to they run their them. businesses, right? And so the moral of the story is the world's quickly changing and I just happen to hop onto the trend of I'm gonna t build a business online because I'll be able to reach more people and have a bigger impact. And that, another thing that I didn't like about dentistry <clears throat> is when I was shadowing dentists to get into dental school, uh, I kind of looked to these people I was shadowing as mentors because they are people who are already doing the profession. And the guy who I shadowed had been my dentist as a pedi pediatric dentist from when I was a kid. And now I'm shadowing him and I always liked him growing up. He was always a charismatic dentist and a charismatic guy. And also he was in one of the leaders in the city that I lived in. But I realized a guy like that who's a, a natural born leader, who's charismatic, he spent his whole life working in dentistry and, and being a respectable person but his impact didn't go beyond the city limits. And that always bothered me because I always felt like I was destined for more. I always, my, like, remember, this all started because I wanted to be a fucking NBA all-star. I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan, right? And so Michael Jordan is worldwide. Dentists are city level. That's crazy that you say that. But wouldn't you say that, uh, like, a counter-argument, like, you need to start, in order to kind of impact the world, you need to start, like, with your own community. Like, that's a start. I mean... I don't think my book would have ever sold in 83 different countries around the world if I said, okay, for the first three years of my dating advice business, I'm going to focus on only guys who live in Arizona. Mm. So I think it's just a different different mentality, right? Because a dentist doesn't know he can have a bigger impact, so he he plays small in his box of where he thinks the confines of his world should be. you know. And so when you're online, there kind of becomes no boundaries. And so... For me, that was really appealing about building an online business. But now the question was, what do I do? And so when I thought about creating an online business, I was thinking about, well, maybe I'll create training programs for dentists. Maybe I'll create programs for how to learn, how to take tests, because I scored the 98th percentile on the DAT. And I was brain, I was, this is where I started to become entrepreneurial because I started brainstorming what could I do as a business online? Because again, that seminar wasn't necessarily the thing that convinced me to be a dating coach. It was the thing that showed me there's another way. And so naturally I gravitated towards dating coach because I realized, okay, if I'm going to create a business from scratch, I need to go into a market that's one proven and two is something I really am an expert in and am passionate about because dentistry I was not passionate about even though I was good at it. Uh, you know, if I want to skip ahead to when I dropped out of dental school, I dropped out of dental school the day after our first big practical exam uh, of our second year of dental school. So I was in dental school for one year and one month and it's $100,000 a year to attend this dental school. It's one of the, it's a private school and it's also one of the bigger dental schools in the nation and it's an accelerated program to some degree. So um, I had already, I'm already half of a dentist because um, unlike most schools, you have to take two, two years to take your first part of your boards 
and now you're like half of a doctor essentially. And then you go to school for two more years and you take your second part of the boards that gives you a full certification to be a doctor, right? And so for me in this school, it's a private school and it's an accelerated program because I can take the first part boards after my first year rather than my second year. And I did that and I aced it. And uh, my second, so it's $100,000 a year to attend dental school. And I was there for one year and one month. And I dropped out after the first big practical exam on, on our second year. Um, and the practical exam is where you're actually working on teeth and then they grade, grade your work. And the, the school was fun because it was 150 people and they kind of made it competitive. And obviously I'm a fucking competitor. And so they would give out the top gun award and this person would get a plaque that said they were top gun. And this is actually why I wear my hoodie that says top gun is because of this. Um, cause I never got a plaque because when I dropped it, I, I was pissed that I never got the top gun award award my first year. And then my second year, I actually was, uh, so that, that the, the practical was one month into their second year, but that for, for that whole entire month, by this point, I already knew I wanted to start an online business. And by this point I had actually already written the magnetic personality formula. I wrote it when I was in dental school during my first year. And, um, that whole first month of the second year, I never slept more than two hours a single night for an entire month because I would go to dental school from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. I would work out until about 7.30 or 8 um, and like eat and stuff. And then from 8 to about 2, 3, 4 in the morning, I would write emails to my email newsletter, which is still in existence today. But at the time I was in dental school and it started with like four people, five people, so 14 that's, people. That's how you kind of got your foot in the door, uh, yeah. which was just like having an email list. That's when I started this email newsletter that I still write to today. Ah. And uh, I started it in dental school. So I wasn't sleeping at all for that first month of the second year of dental school. And so I, I was, but I was keeping up my grades and I was sleeping two hours a night. And so that first practical exam, I kind of just reached an, a breaking point. Um, and I, I kind of just passed out for like 48 hours straight and everybody's like wondering like where the fuck is Patrick. And then I woke up and realized I have to drop out of dental school like tomorrow. And so I walked into the office and I kind of just, I walked to the counselor of the school. They had like a, a school therapist because there's a, it's a medical school, a dental school, a nursing school, a PA school, a veterinary school all on one campus. And they had like their, obviously, you know, there's the therapist, the counselors, whatever. And so I went to them and I kind of just opened up about how I want to build an online business. I have an ebook that I wrote called the magnetic personality formula. I want to build that business online because it's, it's an important passion project of mine, but I also am sleeping two hours a night keeping up my grades in dental school. What do you suggest? And, uh, man, there's so many details. Cause by this point I had already talked to, um, my, the guy who originally planted the seed, the dating coach. Um, I met him at his house in the Hollywood Hills cause he invited me to his house and I asked him about, Hey man, should I drop out of school? Um, should, what should I do? I'm keeping up my grades. And I also have this ebook I want to sell called magnetic personality formula. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, you can't climb two ropes at the same time. And he said, right now you're climbing two ropes. You got dental school and you got your online business. He said, if I were you, I'd just drop out. And I'm like, what? Because this, this is a man who's just giving me raw, honest truth, right? And up to this point, I'd just been told the dream that everybody parrots. And he's telling me, he's giving me permission to drop out, even though in my heart, I already knew I wanted to drop out. So that was just like kind of reassurance and that confirmation. Yeah. And he said, worst case scenario, you try it out for a year. It doesn't work out. And then you just go back. And I, I realized it really is that fucking simple. I got in once I can get in again. If it doesn't work out, I'll go back. So I dropped out uh, one month into the next year because that was like the previous summer. 
Um, and I never went back, but, uh, that, that final practical on zero sleep, basically, um, dropped out the next day and about two, three weeks later, everybody's texting me, holy shit, you got the top gun award. But by this point it was already the talk of the town that Patrick dropped out to become a dating coach. Um, yeah. So, and at this time, like you had your social circle and you were still like going out obviously, right? Um, I was going out by myself cause I, um, when I dropped out of dental school, it first went from, I was hooking up with multiple, multiple girls in my class and I wasn't talking to any of them. I had a group of close, close friends who, who knew what was going on. But outside of that, I was also kind of the, the cocky charismatic dude in my class in a way that was very polarizing in a way where a lot of people thought I was either a douchebag or a lot of people really vibed with it. Right. Uh. And so when I drop out it's big fucking news and I'm not showing up to school, where's Patrick, what is he doing? And I'd already started posting on YouTube by this point and everybody in my dental school, cause I went from getting no views cause I just started the channel to getting a hundred views a day. And I found out it was because people in my dental school class found my YouTube channel and realized, oh, that's why he dropped out. And so I don't know what anybody said, but this is the most I had ever felt rejected by a, a, a social group around me because I just didn't, I just anticipated that they were saying the worst, you know, any judgmental comment you can possibly think of. And so I actually never found out what anybody said, if anybody said anything, cause I completely tuned it out. But that was kind of the moment where I said, fuck this, I'm going to make it happen by sheer force of will. And I'm going to be honest, it was a very rough the next two years of my life. But honestly, um, had I not been willing to go through that, um, one, I wouldn't have as thick of skin as I do today because think about <laughs> going broke, dropping out of dental school, having your mom reject that idea, having your stepmother reject that idea, having your friends and family not understand, having your friends at home who you don't even live anywhere near anymore, probably making fun of you behind your back. Your friends that you know here, probably making fun of you behind your back. There was zero support. I was starting from scratch again. And how did that feel? Like what, what was your like mindset going through that? Like what were your daily thoughts or, uh, honestly I got, it was, I always say this the next six months. Cause I, I had to talk to my Dean, the Dean of the dental school. And he was really cool about it. Cause I went to the therapist of the, on, on camp, campus and then I went to the dean of the dental school and I said to him I told him explain the situation and I said hey, I, I kind of want to take the year off um, and he was really chill about it he goes yeah you don't have to drop out altogether he goes because dental schools they want their numbers to stay good they don't want a high dropout rate and things like that and so he was like um, how about this we give you the rest of the year off it was the beginning of the year we give you the rest of the year off and next year if you want to come back There'll be a spot for you. I said, oh shit, it's a, there's nothing to lose now. And then I said, okay, let's do it. And I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders, honestly. Um, and, but then before I left his office, he looked at me and he said, Hey, promise me one thing though. No matter what, you're not going to ask your parents for money. And so for me, I was like, all right, I, I accept that challenge. And so, uh, I had about six months worth of just rent money left in my bank account from dental school student loan money. Um, and I didn't make a single fucking dollar in those six months. And so I, I ran out of money. And I remember um, it was like March. What time is it, bro? It is 5.46. Okay. Uh, it was like, we'll wrap this up soon. But it was like March. Um, 
and my birthday's in April. And so this is about six months coming up and I have no, no way to pay my rent on my birthday month, <laughs> which also my birthday is at the beginning of the, of the month when rents normally do. And my buddy from Kansas is like, Hey Patrick, I'm coming to Arizona. Uh, we're going to celebrate your birthday. We're going to do a big, and I'm sitting here having a mini panic attack sitting inside my apartment having no money, figuring out how I'm going to pay rent. I had like 80 people on my email list at this point. And so I wrote an email where I was saying, Hey, I'm going to take one-on-one clients for the first time ever. It's big deal. And I'd already been giving a shitload of value, but man, I just, I just remember hitting that all time low, not having fear about how I'm going to pay my rent. And then somehow convincing a couple of people to pay me a couple hundred bucks for coaching. That way I could pay my rent that fucking month. And I had to get a job at a call center. And, and uh, one of the guys we're interviewing for the podcast, good friend of mine, he currently runs my YouTube ads. I met him at this call center, right? But I got the call center just to fucking pay my bills while I've got the dating advice business to work. And that's a whole other story on its own as well. Um, but honestly, uh, the becoming a dating coach question, it it was sparked by me realizing this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm skilled in. And this is how I can give back to the most amount of people online and really scale that business and have fun doing it. And, and it's been a wild ride and that's led us to this fucking video. And now we're starting a podcast and we're doing, uh, I remember I told my mom, um, when I dropped out, I was like, watch my goal is with my online business. I want to impact this many guys and doing it, I'm going to make at least a thousand dollars a day. And that was just my way of putting her at ease. And she laughed at me. And this is a time where I had nobody supporting me. And my own mother's laughing at me. And it hurt. And today, I can honestly say, like, oh, mom, you're laughing at me. Look at, what's, look at what we're doing now. Right? So it's the chip on the shoulder. But at the end of the day, even the guys watching this, it's not about money. And, and for me, my business didn't even start working until I said, it's not about money. It's about getting results for guys. And when I had that moment of realization, that's where we launched the magnetic personality formula and it actually sold. That's where we launched the book and it actually fucking has sold like wildfire and still continues to sell today. It's a free book, but they pay shipping and handling. So we count it as a sale, right? You pay shipping and handling. And it wasn't until I was about giving a fucking shitload of value and actually giving advice that changes guys' lives for the better that this business is going to fucking work. And so it's been a whole hero's journey for me, you know, getting into dating advice and just to improve my own dating life. And then having that chip on the shoulder mentality, starting from fucking middle school, leading up all the way through college. And then leading to me realizing that the plan and the life dream I've been sold for my whole life is not fucking real. And it's idea so that someone else placed inside my own fucking head, realizing I can scale a business online and I can do it doing something as crazy as giving dating advice, which was something I was passionate about at the time. And here we fucking are. How many, how many years ago was that? Uh, so I dropped out in 2015 and here we are in 2020. Five so, years. So for the first two and a half years, I didn't, I was, I was barely making anything, but I was giving a shitload of value and making YouTube videos every day and figuring out how to pay my rent at the same time. And now, obviously, I'm financially free, and I'm. but even now, I'm not satisfied. What's the next level? And so we actually, on the Raw and Relentless podcast, we can wrap this up here, but we interviewed our first guest the other day. We're actually going to release the first few episodes at once. That way you can binge watch all of them. But we were talking about this, and he asked, what's the number that you'll be satisfied at? And we came to the conclusion that I don't think I'll ever be satisfied no matter how high the number is. And, and so 
um yeah man i think that's a good point to end here so if you're not already subscribed to the channel chris give a shout out get shout out the channel for him oh if you aren't subscribed already the raw dating advice be sure to like comment subscribe and share if you got value from this post where's the link for the channel that they can subscribe down to? below it's our second channel raw and relentless we'll see you over there new episodes first episodes coming soon peace out peace Whoa.